You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 266th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 868th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 29th, 2022. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, as we get another week closer to the season starting, some more preseason accolades have rolled in for the Hoosiers. Andy Katz had IU ranked seventh nationally in his uh, preseason poll. The Almanac came out from uh, our friends at the Three Man Weave and Heat Check in uh, the field of 68, and, and they had picked IU to be first in the Big Ten as well. Uh, TJD in the All-American discussion and, and just more uh, fuel to the excitement as we get ready to head into the season. And uh, we are now a week and a day away from Hoosier Hysteria, which is on Friday, October 7th. So it'll be our first chance for this team to start to uh, attempt to live up to some of those uh, preseason accolades. And certainly, as we've talked about over the course of the offseason, uh, it's, it's exciting to be in those conversations and to be projected to play so well. But the proof is in the pudding, and we'll see uh, how the uh, team can actually perform. And that really all starts... Uh, next Friday, at least to the public eye as, as to what we have. I know Coach has been uh, feverishly studying up on the catalog of uh, G. Herbo in, uh, in, in preparation for the event. So looking forward to a full recap from him on tonight's show of that. But uh, excited that to be kind of the, uh, I guess, the unofficial start to the season from a fan perspective. And, and we're certainly looking forward to it and uh, excited about all the expectations that the uh, Hoosiers are, are looking at here as we head into the preseason. Well, with that... Let me introduce my co-hosts for this week. First up, he's a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, and the president of the Micah Shrewsbury Fan Club. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time so I gotta be. I gotta be careful not to give Coach too hard of a time. As my uh, some of my settings, something was wrong. We couldn't figure out what it was. So he's essentially producing the show and doing all the sound. So uh, I don't want to. I don't want to rile him up. Things could go wrong for me in a hurry. So, uh, Coach, welcome. It's uh, Tansani time. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah, you know, I, I'm having flashbacks to my high school athletic days with all this um, kind of music being added to Hoosier hysteria. I, I've given up on the, on the rap music some 37 years ago. Um, I don't know, G Herbo, Herbo from Coolio a question later on to maybe run DMCs more my style. Um, you know, it's, it, uh, Andy and Alex, it's tough getting old cause you know, the music selection starts slowing down a little bit, but, um, we're excited for the start of Indiana basketball practice started. You're starting to see some tweets coming out of practice, um, 
pictures. That just means we are even closer to watching Indiana take the court. Uh, a lot of people will see that uh, in a fun atmosphere on October 7th at Hoosier Hysteria, and then obviously at the end of the month when we get to see the first uh, exhibition games, we'll really be able to see stuff on the court. A lot of expectations. They got to back it up. Uh, they got to do a lot in these practice sessions to, to make up for some of the deficiencies they had last year. We've talked uh, all summer about what needs to be done to to solidify uh, the the preseason hype, but it is an exciting time for Indiana basketball, and I can't wait to to get going and talk about uh, actual basketball. Absolutely. Well, also joining us tonight, it's special guest and longtime friend of the show. He's the founder and editor of the most trusted and respected IU basketball news site on the internet, Inside the Hall. And unfortunately for him, he's also a White Sox fan. Uh, as a Reds fan, I can say nothing to anyone about baseball, maybe not even Pirates fans at this point. So uh, at uh, Alex Bozich, Alex, welcome back to the show. Uh, opening thoughts on you know, the current state of things with uh, with the team. Guys, it's good to be with you. Good to see you, Coach. Good to see you, Andy, as well. Andy, looking forward uh, to your your preseason bracket that comes out, I think, sometime early November. I know you like to do a preseason bracket, so looking forward to that. But thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Just big picture, um, you know, I, I kind of look back to where, where this program was a year ago today um, and – the expectations at that point for Indiana basketball going into last season compared to this year just feels totally different. Um, we'll see how much of it's actually justified where Indiana's being picked in the preseason, but it's never a bad thing, in my opinion, to go into a season with high expectations. That should be kind of what Indiana basketball is, right, on an annual basis, go into the season with high expectations. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out, but it's good to be talking about a, a program that feels nationally relevant again for the first time in a while. Absolutely. All right. Well, here's what we have in store this week. We'll hit some Hoosier headlines in segment one. Uh, then we'll move along. And the main reason we had Alex on is we wanted to discuss and, and debate through some of Inside the Hall's list of the Big Ten's top 25 players. Jared left a few thoughts of his own, one of which uh, I intend to give him a hard time about it as we get to that. And then uh, in segment three, we've got a handful of questions, so we'll uh, answer as many of those as we can uh, from our community members. So all of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. And now let's talk about our presenting sponsor. And this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many more. Bottom line is that Homefield has something for fans and grads of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last you many washes. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. And what could be better than that? Uh, and if the weather anywhere uh, that you're listening is like it's been here in Cincinnati, it has definitely gotten cooler and has become uh, prime hoodie season. So uh, lots of great stuff, both from an IU perspective, but also from other schools. They dropped some Central Florida and South Florida gear earlier this week and then East Carolina stuff today uh, that is uh, just as good as uh, all the other stuff that's out there. So and I think no matter who you like, no matter what you're looking for, you should be able to find that out at Homefield Apparel. So you can go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. 
That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, that website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, who's your headlines? Um, Alex, we'll kind of go to you first. Coach and, and Ryan did a great job of breaking down uh, the media day uh, on last Thursday's show, but wanted to get your thoughts. You guys uh, at Inside the Hall had a lot of great coverage up of that as well, but you know, what are a couple things that maybe stood out to you uh, as you listen back through some of the comments that were made there? I mean, the biggest thing to me was just how much Logan Duncan was talked about in general. Uh, I, I went into media day expecting to hear about the freshmen, which of course we did. We heard about, you know, Xavier Johnson, obviously everyone wanted to hear from him after the off season. And it was really the first time he talked to the media since his legal situation had been resolved. But a lot of talk about Logan Duncan, which was surprising to me given his role on the team last season. And just the fact that I don't think any of us really go into the season expecting him to be a, big part of the rotation in any way but uh the way trace jackson davis and race thompson talked about him um at least makes you curious to see what he may be able to provide if he's going to be able to 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 do uh some of the things you know just from a physical perspective where he looked totally unprepared to do uh, last year as a freshman so i think all of a sudden, you know, the the front court depth looked really good on paper, but even not considering him when you talk about the fact that they bought in Malik Renew. But, uh, you know, Race and, and Trace were talking like Logan Duncan is going to be able to actually give him minutes this season. And, you know, I have no idea, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way, no idea what to expect there because we, we didn't really even see him play at all last year. I mean, I saw him a little bit in high school and thought he was a guy that had a lot of long-term upside, but – I mean, the, the fact that his name came up so much was a little bit surprising uh, to me. The other thing was, I, I think, good from to, to hear was just how Mike Woodson embraced the expectations of the season. You hear a lot of coaches talking about, well, we we don't read that preseason stuff. You know, we don't we don't really think about that. But Woodson basically said, you know, if you don't want to play at a place with with those type of expectations you really shouldn't be here i think that's the attitude you have to have when you're in a place like indiana you can't run from the expectations um you know i i I don't really necessarily think it's great for any team to be picked to win the big 10 because if you win the league everyone says you were picked there and then if you don't it's a disappointment so uh that's that you know not, not necessarily the greatest spot i guess to be to be picked in the preseason but you know i Overall, I, I, you know, I feel like media day is, is great for us as content creators, as people that talk on a podcast gives us something to talk about when the games actually start in November. I think a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now will be kind of a distant memory and we'll actually focus on basketball in front of us. But uh, big picture, I, you know, I thought there was th- those were kind of the two things that stood out to me uh, from the media day it was Logan Duncan uh, being talked about so much and then just Woodson embracing the expectations. In terms of the expectations, I'll kind of throw this to you first, Coach, and and I think you guys probably touched on this a little bit last week, but you know, anything you heard or or saw from the media day, did it give you uh, a a feeling of whether this team is ready to embrace those expectations and can handle those kinds of expectations? Well, the answer is no. Um, (laughs) 
media day is not going to answer that. They're play on the court. And, and it is something real when you are expected and then everyone's gunning for you and, and you have to be your best on a, on a night to go from the a program under uh, Coach Woodson in the first year, rebounding from the Archie Miller era to now being a consensus according uh, to you know Dylan Burkhart's graphic we have here on the run sheet that everyone's picked Indiana to be the champion of the that's a big jump and, and you have to be ready for it I, I applaud coach Woodson for taking it head on because you can't ignore it I mean everyone's on social media everyone knows it's being said so you ignore it and then you let it define itself inside the locker room uh, so, and then you also want a, a leader of your program to set high expectations. You don't want to come in and say, I just want to make the tournament. My, my goal as head coach at Indiana is just to make the tournament. You want to win big 10 titles, but you have to be able to handle that physically and mentally. And the only way we'll really tell, uh, Andy is when games start, um, you know, and, and pressure is what you put on yourself. So again, I think Woodson talks a good game about playing the game the right way and doing things the right way. Uh, and then that leads to winning. That's a lot of coach speak as well. We all do it. But uh, they got to back it up now. And, and it's a fun place to be in. Uh, but as Alex said, there's only one way to go, really, if you're predicted to be the winner by every magazine. The only way to go is disappointment. We've gone from struggle bus to, you know, not making the tournament to now, oh, my gosh, if we don't win, what's going to be? You know, I think Indiana can have a successful season and finish fourth in the Big Ten get a fourth or five seed, get to the Sweet 16, make a run for, you know, the Elite Eight. I think those things will be successful. But will it be successful in the eyes of, of all of us fans in comparison to the preseason expectations? So not only does the team have to handle the hype, I, I think our fan base needs to appropriately handle the hype. As we saw, Michigan was the favorite last year, dropped all the way down to the eighth, uh, eighth seed in the Big Ten tournament, got beat by us um, and, and got a lower seed after they were – claim to be be the favorite so you know a lot of things could happen and I still think the goals are compete for a tournament uh, compete uh, in the tournament NCAA tournament but compete in the Big Ten title and get a good seed and get back to being regular uh, participants in the NCAA tournament with a chance to get to a final four and you only get there by starting this year with uh, being a top you know three or four team in the Big Ten that's my goal for the team uh, heck yeah I want to win it everything but uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, Alex, what's your sense of, of how well-prepared this team is to deal with those kinds of expectations? I mean, they've it's a team with a lot of experience, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's, it's, it's led IU to be projected so high within the league, but it's also uh, the experience they have hasn't, is an experience that's won at a high level uh, on a consistent basis so far. So how do, you, how do you kind of balance those things out as you look forward to the season? Yeah, that's the to me that's why it was important for them to actually get into the tournament last year and have a at least a little bit of experience there. It wasn't a great experience obviously with, you know, beating Wyoming was good for them, but then the way they played against St. Mary's obviously wasn't ideal. However, you feel a little bit better about you know, how they're going to handle everything after the way they finished last season and and really they were backed into a corner they had to get the job done in the big 10 tournament they did give them credit for that they made the tournament i think all of us at the beginning of last season would have told you making the tournament it was the goal uh whatever happened from that point was going to be gravy um so i think that was good 
But Andy, you bring up a great point. There's a big difference between having experience and having experience with winning at a high level. And I think we're going to learn a lot about this team in the first couple uh, weeks of the season. Well, you know, month and a half when they play North Carolina and they play at Xavier and they play Arizona and Kansas, uh, those two games. I mean, those are four high level games. This team did not have those type of non-conference uh, tests uh, last year. I mean, they're going for their first Big Ten game is going to be on the road at Rutgers. That won't be easy. Uh, you know, if this team is going to be able uh, to, to be a team that's consistently, you know, ranked in the top 25 and somebody that you're talking about, you know, in your bracketology week in and week out, Andy, that's a top four seed, those are the kind of games where they're going to need to perform. They can't go one and three in those games and start out, uh, poorly in the Big Ten and, and really kind of live up to the preseason hype. So we're going to learn pretty quickly uh, about how they respond to um, having these expectations because there's no way to hide from the games that are early on in the schedule. I just I, – it's hard for me to answer, though, because, you know, these guys have played a lot of college basketball games, but they've never played a lot of college basketball games as a ranked team or a team that's expected to compete for a conference championship. You're muted, Dandy. There we are. Thanks. Um, now, other other couple of headlines there to uh, to touch on. Uh, I mentioned a couple of these in my opening comments that that IU was picked to win the Big Ten uh, in the Almanac, which uh, I've only had a chance to scratch the surface of, but I'm pretty impressed with the stuff that the guys put together. I know um, we had we had Matt on a few weeks ago to talk about it but uh had that talked about andy Katz picking iu seventh nationally which is a bit rich for my blood um and then dylan burkhart uh who will uh, we'll talk about a little bit later when we get into the 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 meat of tonight's show has been basically tracking uh the preseason predictions uh iu at this point has been picked first by blue ribbon the almanac lindy's and bart torvik uh so we you know number one across the board basically has you know, an, an average here of of where teams are are ranked and you do get into some, some jumbles where you've got some pretty good ranges of, you know, teams picked, you know, the same group of teams is typically toward the, the top, but there is some variance as you look through uh, how different people are, uh, are projected there. And then the other uh, couple tip times announced the IU Kansas game is going to be a noon tip uh, there. And then IU North Carolina is uh, going to be a whiteout. This says 930. I thought maybe I saw 915, although realistically, no game starts on time. So it probably will be 930, even if it's not published. It's, at 930. it's, it's 9, 915 <laughs> on the official schedule. It's listed 930 here. And realistically, it's probably going to be what, like 950? Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Tack on. I said something that we, I've, I've, nobody has more confidence in their ability to, uh, to, to be right about something. People who schedule basketball games uh soccer tournaments in terms of like leaving time between games and stuff like that these people have a real high opinion of how well things are going to stay on time when even despite uh much evidence to the contrary in the past but um you know coach anything stand out to you from any of the the preseason predictions that that you've seen or just you know the fact that i use been a unanimous number one across those those four things anything when you look at that chart that really sticks out at you uh not not really uh, th there's some teams that i think are even more have more question marks. Um, you know, Iowa we'll talk about in the second segment has three, uh, players in, in your top 25, Alex. And then this, um, consensus or this collection of stuff has Iowa down, 
at number seven. Uh, you know, uh, everyone knows how I feel about them not playing defense, so I think that might be appropriate. But but they're surprising. Sometimes they can move up and down. Um, what's Wisconsin, who's typically been up, even though you think every year that they're going to be on a slide there uh, in, in the bottom half. So for me, it is always teams at the top uh, predicted end up falling down because of injuries or circumstance, uh, you know, a, a three-game losing streak at the wrong time, something like that. And then there always are a couple of teams that a player or two we weren't counting on pops and has a really good season and they move up. Uh, and, and so you ha- you just have some clear um, clear spots for that to happen. You know, you're Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, Michigan State. Someone in there is probably going to fall a little bit lower and then – you have, you know, your Iowa, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Maryland, that group, is someone going to be okay and pop um, a little bit and, and move up? And then the bottom teams, is anyone going to try to break out of that with some new coaches at Penn State, Minnesota, uh, and then typical programs? Does anyone, you know, ha- have a good run there? So I think they're fair. I, I think they're uh, extremely fair. I'm, I'm really nervous about Indiana being at the top, but um, – I'd rather have that discussion than than not from from where we've been. But uh, I, I think that the the pecking order is is fair for across the board from the the seven that are on this graphic, and it's just fun to see tip times for IU Kansas, IU North Carolina. I'm heading out to Vegas uh, to see IU versus uh, Arizona. Those are games that typically have been on the schedule in the past. It's nice to have them back, but as Alex said, you got to win a couple of them <laughs> at least uh, to to have the season that that you're expecting. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, when we come back on Assembly Call Radio, we're going to discuss and debate inside the Hall's top 25 Big Ten players. And Alex is here to defend himself, pass off blame to Dylan. I mean, the choice is really up to him. So we'll see when we come back. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. It's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall. And wanted to have Alex on to discuss uh, the top 25 Big Ten players list that uh, rolled out on the site uh, that he has done 
the last i'm not sure how many how many years is it now that you guys have have done this i've lost count but you're having to think about it so it's been it's been plenty the, the, so. the most disappointing thing about this is jared wants to interject his takes on some of our predictions and he's not here to actually give them himself so he's gonna make yeah. you guys do his dirty work yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so before we get into the players and I, i'm not gonna read all all 25 through but I, I guess just talk a little bit about what the process is that you guys go through you know to to do this uh each off season and, and how it all actually comes together well we start talking about it midway through the summer but the you know i'd say june july we start just talking about in general terms when we want to do it uh, i think the timing has shifted a little bit uh, we used to do it sometime in august but the last couple of years like indiana last year had a trip to the bahamas and so there was going to be a lot of coverage associated with that and we didn't want to do it that uh that month for that reason and then this year michigan had a trip to europe that they had so we decided to push it off a little bit uh into later september but we both come up with a list of i think 30 to 35 separately uh and then dylan being the uh being much better at excel than i am slams the list together uh and then we kind of have a uh kind of a framework of kind of where we all are where we where we both are uh together collectively on all the players and then we just kind of talk it out from there uh, in terms of uh, we'll kind of go in chunks of five. Um, and I kind of feel like every year we say it gets harder. I, I don't know, I don't know why that that is, but this year's especially was just difficult because of how much the league lost. And um, for me, after I got after after the f- first five. Um, it got pretty tough immediately. Like it took me a little, you know, a couple of days just to kind of, I went through all the rosters and I, and I pulled all the names I thought could even be discussed. And then I kind of, after I had that list of probably 40 to 45 names, then I took like a second dive and started maybe throwing off some other ones. Um, and then I just, you know, I I had, we both had a list, as I said, we slammed them together and then we discussed, you know, our top five were pretty uh, clear cut in, in my mind. I think we agreed on the five and then after that, that's where it got fun. So we can, we can obviously talk about a lot of those, those selections, a lot of them, you know, you, typically we've done, I don't want to say we've, there's no way to really do well i feel like on a list like this top 25 because there's always going to be guys who underperform and there's always going to be under the radar guys like last year brandon from ohio state was a freshman we didn't have on the top 25 list there was one year where kata bates diop was coming back from an injury i think the previous year didn't really do much we didn't have him on the list he was big 10 player of the year so that was obviously a a really uh, bad screw up on our part uh, somewhat explainable by the fact that he was basically a non-factor and injured the year before and we didn't really know what to expect but this year it just feels like to me um, there's not a lot of difference between guys that are you know six six all the way to 25 to 30 to be honest it was it was really hard for me one name I know that a lot of people at least from I was uh, reading Dylan's uh, board over at UM Hoops, 
I think one of the names that that I think we were a little bit higher on and I was an advocate for was Caleb McConnell in the top 10. And I think, you know, people looked at that and said, well, how can you be so bad offensively and be a top 10 player in the Big Ten? Well, I said, well, he's arguably to me the best defensive player in the league one of the better defenders in the country basketball is played on both ends of the court he's an experienced guy so he was a guy that i really advocated for uh, but but yeah i mean it's to me you know whatever way you want to go in the top five um i think those guys were pretty clear cut and after that it got interesting yeah so maybe let's start let's start at the top five because i do think that was probably the easy part at least at least probably the top four for, for me for sure so you had hunter dickinson number one trace jackson davis number two uh zach Eady was number three chris murray number four and then cliff omarui although i think at some point they changed they wanted to change how the his last name was pronounced last year and i feel like i've forgotten what that is so uh from from Rutgers. so yeah i think mm-hmm. to your i think to your point you know the, the top four felt pretty, um, you know, pretty clear cut because you look past some of those guys, and even Chris Murray is a bit of a projection, but he showed enough last year, I think, to to feel good about that. But um, you know, you look at that top five, all big guys. Uh, I think not all that different, probably, than what you're faced with a year ago with some of the big guys in, in the Big Ten. But right, uh, does this shape up to be a, a big man's league once again, and. I guess I don't know. I think there's a lot of things when you look up and down this list that may point to some potential overall struggles for the Big Ten when it comes to NCAA tournament time. Uh, one of which is the the general lack of guards toward the top of the uh, of the league. But it seems like you know kind of shifted out a few big guys and just replaced them with a with a bunch of new ones. Yeah, I mean, personally, I I'm you know Murray at four. Uh, I think the upside is there for him to be better than Zach Eady this year. Um, you know, Eady's per 40 numbers are, are ridiculous, but we've never really seen him play, you know, more than 22, I don't think 22 to 24 minutes a game. So it's hard for me to project him playing more than that. We haven't seen it before, but yeah, those, those, um, those names up there really kind of suggest that it's going to be, uh, the year of the big, uh, I think that even the almanac that, that came out, the, the field of 68 preseason magazine had all big guys on the cover. And it's kind of <laughs> like that across college basketball. It's really the year of, uh, the big and, uh, the big 10, uh, exactly like that. I don't necessarily doesn't make necessarily make me feel great about the big 10's chances of breaking the national, uh, championship drought this year when you're a league built around, bigs and we know that you got to have dynamic guard play to go win a a title but that's where the league is right now um and the other thing i'll say is um and we can well i'm I'm sure this will be a question we we went pretty light on we we actually i don't think we included a single freshman this year in our top 25 um i I think it kind of speaks to where the overall level of talent is in the big 10 right now the type the 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 recruits that they're getting you look at the sec you look at the acc you look at the big 12 you know mcdonald's all americans galore going to those conferences not happening with the big 10 so are there going to be guys by this end of the season uh that are freshmen in the big 10 that have played their way onto this list sure but um, it's really hard right now to identify who that's going to be. You know, a team like Ohio State is going to play a lot of freshmen. They've got a lot of freshmen who are in that kind of ranking of 35 to 75 nationally, but 
how do you decipher who of those breakout guys are going to be when you've never seen these guys? Same thing with, you know, Jalen hood Shafino. I had him kind of on the cusp of consideration, but I also considered the fact that we have three Indiana guys in the top 25 who are all producing a ton of stats and their roles aren't necessarily going to be diminished in any way this year. So where does another guy fit in um, from that perspective? So freshmen are really hard to project for lists like these. I mentioned Brandon last year with Ohio state is, is a perfect example. You just don't really know unless it's a guy that's a surefire, you know, one and done player that, you know, is going to come in and play 25, 30, 40 or 25, 30 minutes a game right off the bat. It's really hard to project a guy being a top 25 player. So, so you talk about guards, and I believe exactly what you said. It, it, college basketball, pro basketball, it's a guards game. You have to have wings. You have to have guards. It's nice to have a big man to go with it, but you need to have guards. So there, there's guards listed through 6 through through 25, and, and they all are kind of lumped t- together in, in how you select who goes on uh, spots 6 through 10. But – if you if you were to look at this list and, and say which guards do you think will pop um, and move up from their ranking, what what guards do you think um, would move up if if you did this at the end of the year? I'll just use this chance to uh, to to one of Jared's questions. So this is this goes into Alex saying he sent this stuff and he's not here. So he said Terrence Shannon will be top five by season's end with Edie out. Um, I mean, he was a bold six. a bold presumption for a guy who was ranked sixth to start. So really, really putting it putting it out there uh, for that assumption. So, uh, but I'll, I'll let you answer his question. But I figured, Alex, since you you wanted to give him a little bit of a hard time about not being here, no better place than that for the uh, bold statement that guy ranked sixth can work his way into the top five. I mean, I think talent wise, two guys I look at that. Are, have a really good chance to play their way on and up or Jalen Hood-Shafino and Sky Clark from Illinois. I mean, I look at the guys that I have ranked right now, that we have ranked right now, um, A.J. H- uh, Hogard and, and Chucky Hepburn. I mean, they're they're good players, but um, th- that's more based on what we've seen so far and, and kind of, you know, the, the floor with those guys, we know that they're going to be solid players, so feel a little bit more comfortable. Um but I would just say Hood, Shafino, and Clark have a, a definite, a definite chance in, in my mind to play their way up the list. One guy that we're a little bit lower on, uh, I saw the almanac had him preseason first team All Big Ten, which I don't necessarily agree with this. But Jalen Pickett of Penn State put up a ton of stats last year uh, for them, played a lot of minutes. Uh, I don't necessarily feel great about putting a, a guy that's probably on a top or bottom three or four team in the league first team all league uh preseason um just because he put up good numbers um i I think part of the equation also has to be winning uh games and and making your team better um but you know looking at uh, you know the um the list overall i mean boo booey to me is one of the more talented guards in the league but this he kind of gets penalized for the same reason that that pickett does in my mind doesn't play on on a great team but if you're asking me which from a talent perspective, um, I'm most excited to see Hood Shafino and Sky Clark of Illinois. I think they've got the talent uh, to, to end up much higher. It's just hard for me to get there right now without kind of knowing exactly what their roles are going to be on their on their respective teams. 
Yeah, one of the other big themes of this to me was a lot of transfers. Um, yeah. And that's is is what college basketball it's a, it's a fixture in college basketball at this point. So not uh not not shocking by any stretch, but as I go down the list, you've got Terrence Shannon um at at 6 from Illinois, Matthew Meyer uh to Illinois was 11, Dawson Garcia was 13, uh transferring back home to Minnesota. You've got um Jalen Llewellyn in I think at 22 if I'm if I'm going back and doing this correctly yep. so how, how did you guys go through and try to evaluate you know it's one thing to look at a, a boo-booey we've seen for you know six to seven years it feels like at this point at, at Northwestern but um, you know some of the other guys coming into a new system some of them have more experience than others you got up transfers which Michigan's had success with um, so maybe you feel like that's uh, a possibility there, but how, how did you guys go through evaluating those guys? And, and was, was that an area where you had some debate between the two of you as you tried to figure out where to slot some of them? I mean, I think it's a combination of the talent level, kind of where you, where you came from, what you, what, what you've pr- proven at the, at the level that you were at and kind of opportunity of where you're going, uh, you know, with Terrence Shannon and, uh, uh, Meyer, they both played at high major programs where they had pretty significant roles. I think Meyer was obviously a bit of a um, disappointment last year. I believe he was preseason uh, wooden all wooden watch list and and didn't really ever hit his uh, hit those accolades when the season actually started. But uh, you look at kind of the opportunity that he he's going to have at Illinois. Same thing with Shannon. They're 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 jumping into spots a spot where. You know, Alfonso Plummer's gone, Trent Frazier's gone, Curbelo's gone, Kofi Coburn's gone. Somebody's going to have to, you know, produce for Illinois. Uh, and I looked at those two guys, you know, they, they brought them in there for a reason. They're going to play a, t- a ton of minutes, and I think they're both really talented, solid players. And so I feel com- felt comfortable from that perspective. Dawson Garcia is a name that Indiana fans are familiar with. He's a top former top 50 recruit. Um you know, is at his third school in three years, but the circumstances that his, you know, previous two stops, maybe not conducive to success, maybe at all times for just based on his personal circumstances. I know he wanted to get closer back to home, uh, left North Carolina in the middle of the season. I think there's talent there. And I think um, this is the year where he finally puts that together. And Llewellyn is more of a bet on what, Jawan Howard's been able to do the last couple of years with the point guards that he's brought in. He brought in Mike Smith two years ago and he was, you know, really effective um, coming, moving up a level uh, last year, Devonte Jones maybe didn't hit uh, the level as high as, as what people had hoped in the preseason, but he was a really productive, solid player. So, I, you know, I give Jawan Howard a little bit of, of credit um, there just based on what he's been able to do with transfer point guards the last two years. So, you know those guys. Obviously, Shannon Jr. to me is the highest highest ceiling of all of those. We have him ranked, uh, uh, you know, kind of reflective in that. And the other guys, um, I'd be surprised if any of those other guys were, you know, a first team All Big Ten type of player. But as Jared mentioned, you know, Shannon definitely has a chance to play his way from six into the top five on the list. Joking, <laughs> joking here a little bit, giving Jared a hard time, but Jared yeah, always takes he, a risks. Six to five. Well, yeah, he's – I mean, I, I think he's going to be the highest usage guy on Illinois' roster this year. Um, he's going to you know, have a chance to really 
uh, grow his role from what it was. You know, he's been a really good player in the past at at Texas Tech, but coming home uh, to Illinois, I think I think he's going to be a really good player. So, it transfers are hard because a lot of them now it's moving up a level. Um, and I always get worried with guys coming into the Big Ten because it's just such a different league in terms of the physicality and the way the game is played than, than a lot of leagues, especially the, the mid to low major leagues. You're trying to move up. It doesn't always translate. Uh, there's been some some guys that, that it didn't work for, obviously, over the years. But, um, I mean, I think the three that uh, that are highest ranked, they're all coming from, you know, high major programs and situations. And then Llewellyn, like I said, giving him a little bit of – a boost there maybe just based on what Michigan's been able to do with that position the last two years. So Alex, you said that in in your ranking, and, and I think this is, is good as well, that winning has to play a part in it too, not just individual stats. And you referred to yeah. uh, Pickett at Penn State um, and, and Boo Booey, two really nice players, uh, but their teams are in the bottom uh, of, of the Big Ten. Yeah. So they're recognized on your list, but they're not. So I'm going to go to the team by team numbers uh do you find any correlation as you've done this over the years with the more players on on the list uh those teams tend to find themselves at the top of the big 10 obviously there are injuries uh you mentioned justice suing going 11th last year and had to he only played a couple games so there's always some of those circumstances but right Mm now uh, uh teams with three players on your list uh indiana illinois and iowa I think a lot of people could could see Indiana and Illinois. Obviously, the Iowa one might be a little surprising to people, but I think the the choices were uh, well explained and, and well positioned. But your the connection to your list, leading kind of showing who the pecking order is of the Big Ten is it is it accurate, not accurate, or too much too many, you know, factors. Yeah, that that actually be a good off season project for me to go back and and look. Um, I've never done that. Uh, just kind of go year by year and I should pull the lists that we've done and just kind of try to look at the standings and see how it correlates. I mean, for context on this, uh, at least with Iowa, you know, we do have Chris Murray ranked really high, but the other two guys, Patrick McCaffrey's 20 um, and Perkins is 23. So it's not like those guys are, we're projecting them, projecting them to be all Big Ten first team, second, third team players, um, you know, Perkin, you know, Perkins to me, uh, he's a guy that I really liked in, late in the season last year. Um, just kind of what he was able when they, when they put him in the starting lineup, you know, Iowa was really good that, you know, the last month of the season, I know they, they, they faltered in the actual NCAA tournament, but really good in the big 10 tournament. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think us having Indiana and, Illinois, both with three players that are all pretty well represented uh, on the list, kind of speaks to, you know, where we see them as teams going into the year. Um, Both of those, depending on who you talk to, I think most people are going to pick Indiana one, Indiana, Illinois one, two uh, in the league. And and so it should be reflective, you know, typically the, uh, the teams with the most talent uh, prevail uh, in a given season, but but coach, that's a good point. I mean, it would be a good and interesting exercise to go back and look over the years, um, not only at how badly we've screwed up some of these lists in previous years, but 
to to see if uh if there's any correlation between uh you know how many how many guys are on the list and where teams finish in the Big Ten play. But you know, it's you know I think Dylan liked Bowie a lot high, higher on the list than, than I did. Um, and I can see an argument for it. I just to me it's hard. I don't want to penalize a guy from being in a situation that's really not his fault, but I also feel like if I'm going to put somebody in the top part of the list, their, st- their stats or something that they do have to be exceptional. I mean, like Jamison Battle, to me, had some games last year where he was, you know, his, his scoring average was obviously really good. And there were games last year where, you know, he looked legitimately like a like the best player on the court at times. I mean, they went into Michigan early in the season and, and really played well and beat them. And they were a competitive team in a lot of games because of him um, and his shot making ability. Um, you know, so he was, he's maybe one guy that maybe got a, a little bit of a, a boost on the list um, despite being on a team that, that wasn't very good. Um, so th- those guys are always hard to, to project to because the, the stats say this is a really good player, but the wins don't necessarily uh, kind of correlate with that. So it, it's hard um, with, with those yeah. guys. And so just to follow up, what I found interesting is Minnesota has two on the list. You have one in, in the in the second team, if you will, six through ten, and da- Dawson Garcia. So that's going to be a team that I'm going to watch based on your list that they got a couple of nice players. Are, are they going to – you know, rebound. I think their coach in the second year, uh, he did some nice things when he could last year. And then uh, everyone uh, listening can rejoice that Purdue just has Zach Eady, and we all think that Eady's probably going to fall a little bit lower um, with his play. I don't know that he can play the minutes that Purdue is expecting. And really, then there's a lot of question marks on the talent level, um, regardless of I know Painter gets a lot of um, free – passes because of the system and he always does get high achieving but those were the two things that stood out to me as far as the the team aspect Iowa with three uh, on that upside Minnesota a little upside and Purdue um, a a little bit watching who they decide to play um, on the list but uh, yeah it's always interesting and too I don't know that you ever mess up a list to be honest with you because it's so it's just like predicting the Big Ten there are good reasons why you have teams one, two, three, and four, and then something happens in the season, they fall to eight. Uh, predictions are, are extremely hard. But, um, yeah, th- these these are some uh, so, some really good lists. I'll let Andy. Yeah, the problem with it, the problem with, with Minnesota is they have those two guys. But they basically yeah, who's going to get them? Who's going to get those guys the ball? Is becomes ball. The I mean, they've got, a, I think, a Moorhead State transfer maybe is going to be their point guard. Um yeah, they, they, they lost so much. You know, I'd be a lot higher on them if Peyton Willis was still on the right. team. Uh they they would look a lot different. Um yeah, it's um yeah. It, the the every year, um, like I said, I feel like it gets harder. Uh this year was no different, just with uh with with the number of you know, moving pieces in terms of transfers and just the just the guard play is just underwhelming to me. I mean, Xavier Johnson to me was a no brainer in the top ten. Um, and the way some people talked about him early in the season last year at Indiana, you would have thought he shouldn't even been on the court. Um, by the way, some Indiana fans talked about him and he was booed early. Remember that last yeah. year he was booed at a game, and now to me he's a shirt. 
he's a surefire top 10 player in the big 10 going into the season. Uh, you know, he earned it with how he played down the stretch, but in most years in the big 10, um, he's not top 10 going into the season. So I think the the talent level overall is just not what it was. And, you know, we know they have, there was a ton of guys that got picked in the, the lottery last year uh, in the draft and uh, some, some good players obviously moved along, graduated. So it's, it's, it's not a, that's another reason why I think in a normal year, an Indiana team that squeaked into the tournament finished 48th in Ken Palm is not the big 10 favorite going into the, the, the next season, just by virtue basically of bringing back their whole team and adding a couple uh, of good freshmen that's typically not the team that's being picked to win the Big Ten, but I, I think that's the uh, that's that's where we are this season in terms of uh, the rosters in the league. Yeah. So last thing for me on the list, and Coach brought up one of the things I did with the teams. I think if you if you really looked at you know kind of that grid that Dylan had put together of where teams averaged out in the preseason predictions, it largely followed along pretty well. You had IU and, and Illinois kind of the top two. Iowa was a little bit of the outlier on the one end with three players, but projected a little bit lower, and then Purdue was the outlier on the other end. But um, as you look at the IU guys to kind of bring this back to them, I mean, we touched on TJD, touched on Xavier Johnson. You know, Race Thompson came in at 21 on the list, and probably a guy that is, you know, IU fans have a great appreciation for, um, but, but a little bit unique in terms of, like, what he, he brings, not a – you know, lights out score, does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, what was the general range? You landed on 21, obviously, but were there arguments that you guys had back and forth about potentially putting him him even higher? Or was there a conversation about maybe he really belongs a little bit lower based on who else IU's got coming in and what his minutes might look like and, and all those kinds of things? He seems like an interesting case for this exercise. Yeah, I think Dylan and I were – pretty both pretty similar on where we where we viewed him uh it's hard to ignore just the production uh, that he had last season uh you know he's nearly a double double guy in a lot of cases um you know, he doesn't the problem i think with putting him higher is i i don't know how much ceiling beyond what we've already seen uh you can project there because what you know the opportunity what's the opportunity i guess for him to have a bigger role scoring this year i don't i don't necessarily see one uh, unless he starts making three pointers more more consistently uh, he's not all of a sudden going to start grabbing more rebounds uh trace jackson davis is playing in the paint too and they've also added malik renew and if anything if i'm mike woodson i'm figuring out a way you know i, I just talked to race thompson at big ten media day the other day and he talked about the fact that he was a little tired down the stretch last season. If I'm like Woodson, I'm hearing that. I'm saying, I'm thinking, how can I maybe play him 28 minutes a game and get these other guys some more minutes um, rather than, you know, playing him 33 or 34 and having him, you know, kind of lose his legs the last couple of weeks of the season. So with race, um, I feel pretty good about where we had him. Uh, to me, he's, you know, by season's end, an all-Big Ten, honorable mention type of player, which is a really good season uh, for anybody. Uh, I just don't, I just didn't see the the upside there in picking him any higher when you have two guys already on the team who are top ten players. Um, and, I, just, you know, statistically speaking, which 
I I hate that it's done this way, but you know, you look at the the postseason all Big Ten teams, a lot of it's just basically voted upon by stat counting and the numbers guys put up, uh, you know, in terms of impact, you know, in terms of importance to his team, um, you can argue that, that race Thompson is, is much higher uh, than this, uh, given all the intangibles that he brings and the, the little things he does that affect winning. But in terms of ranking him in term on the, uh, on the list of the best big 10 players, I felt pretty good about where we had him overall. Last last thing for me, yeah, um, Alex, is you mentioned you went through and after the top five or so, you, you just went through the rosters and picked out guys you thought you could discuss. Um, from the top half or the top eight or ten teams, which team's roster uh, struck you as, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of talent, but they're they're not void of talent. That team that just you don't know a lot about, it, was there a team – that might be in contention at some point whose roster you really think is, is um, I guess, just questionable right now but has some potential? Would there be one team that comes to mind? I mean, it won't be a popular answer, but Purdue to me is a team that there were some guys that I was thinking, like, do we, do we rank this guy because he's going to get the opportunity? But it, it's hard uh, – with 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 their team it, it's it's such a you know i'm confident that purdue is going to be you know a top five or six big 10 team possibly higher um and that's really a nod to matt painter and what they do on a year in year out basis um but in terms of the players i i just don't know who's going to fill the specific roles other than zach Eady is going to be uh getting the ball in the post and and you know, a lot of nights being ultra productive. Um, another team that I'm confident is going to be up there, but we maybe didn't have them represented all that well on the list was Michigan State. Um, I, I just like in a year like this where talent feels the parity between a lot of teams feels, you know, pretty, you know, there 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 is parity. Uh, I believe. Um, in the top five, six, seven teams, uh, there's not going to be a huge separation. I look at the fact that they have Tom Izzo on the sidelines, and I say this is kind of a year where he can maybe work his magic and, and make Michigan State a Big Ten contender, even if they don't have that Jaron Jackson or, uh, you know, Mateen Cleaves type Big Ten player of the year talent on the roster. Uh, I think Michigan State has a chance to, to really be uh, a team that, that maybe not a lot of people are talking about nationally, but by the by season's end um, could be in that mix. The other thing I'll say was just in general, you know, in a year like this projecting the big 10 standings, I think the schedule that each team plays is going to have a ton of impact on the league. And unfortunately for Indiana, they've, drawn kind of the short straw uh, in terms of the double plays uh, compared to a team like Illinois who you know Illinois got a really really favorable schedule in terms of double plays and Indiana did not and so um, we're never gonna we're never gonna see this happen in the Big Ten as the league continues to expand but man I wish the Big Ten had a true round robin schedule I mean how fun would that be for every team to play each other twice and we actually have a balanced schedule and we're just never going to get that. I mean, the Big 12, I think, is really the only league of the the major conferences that still does it. 
and then you get like a true legitimate regular season call it, you know, conference champion. You're never going to get that in the big 10. Um, and, and just how much more fun would it be for us as fans to have that many more big 10 games to, to talk about rather than, you know, Indiana uh, versus Miami of Ohio or, or a lot of these other cupcake games. It'll never happen because all these schools have to schedule their wins um, in the non-conference and, the coaches would never agree to it, but, but man, I would love to see a true round robin schedule. That's kind of an, an unscheduled rant, but <laughs> that's what we're here for, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the other the other team that I would kind of put a little bit, at least for me, is I'm starting to look at teams in that in that boat is Ohio State. You guys had Zed Key and uh, and and suing in there. I think they're the known commodities at this point from an Ohio State perspective they've got a good freshman class i don't think anybody ranked enough that probably works their way in but some transfers from you know a couple major conference guys you know you, you just feel like somebody's going to hit there but you're not quite sure who it is i think that's probably ultimately the the you know the purdue thing like somebody's going to step up and fill this void it's just not clear who it is so they're the other one that i'd, I'd put in there but um i know alex we said we'd uh we'd let you go about about 10 so we're only two minutes late which is probably about how late we started the show so uh, we'll, uh, we appreciate you joining us and uh, enjoyed talking through the lists with you. And uh, when we come back, Coach and I will answer a few questions. And uh, that is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, this is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a Duke big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. All right, welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And uh, we got a few questions that we wanted to hit. Um, went a little bit longer with Alex, but it was awesome to have him on and uh, talk through some of the top 25 player stuff. So uh, we'll hit a few of these and 
Call it a night. Um, this one from Walt. What's your favorite Coolio song, Coach? And why is it Gangsta's Paradise? It, it has to be uh, Gangsta's Paradise because I, 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 I recognize that song, but I know of nothing of else of Coolio. Mm. Sorry, Walt, don't mean to disrespect, but um, my rap days ended in 1988, 89, when I graduated from high school, um, you know, with Run DMC and the Fat Boys, um, Houdini, the, the, I was into that, and then 1989 happened, and I went down to Bloomington, and my musical tastes have changed. So I'm not up with that uh, with, with those artists anymore. There you go. Uh, all right, from Andrew, with the whiteout being announced for the UNC game, looking like the most anticipated game in recent memory, what were the most hyped-slash-anticipated games for you as IU students? Any stand out to you, Coach? You know, again, that's, that's I don't have a specific date. The Purdue games when I was on on campus, Purdue basketball games were extremely extremely hyped as everyone would would expect. Um, I remember doing a lot of trash talking on the side of the road as cars were leaving the assembly hall parking uh, area. As I was walking back to an apartment, uh, anyone who flashed any Purdue paraphernalia uh, really got a word or two from me after after IU victories. Uh, so. You know, th- those games were were, were great in, in attendance. Um, obviously, that's going to be similar to the non-conference games that, that run the Dukes, the UNCs when they go. I mean, that, that's when the hall is just juiced to its max. You're going you're gonna to remember those. But for me, it was obviously uh, the Purdue games uh, back in the, in the 80s. Yeah, I would say for me, uh, Purdue games definitely were were up there. Um, one of the more memorable ones I had was when IU beat Michigan State uh, when they were ranked fifth. I just looked up to see what they were ranked. I did not remember this. Um, but it was when in overtime, A.J. Guyton just had a fantastic game, ended up shooting an air ball that fell right into the – I mean, pass that fell right into the hands of uh, Lynn Washington to put it put it in at the very end of the game. We That was one of the games we had – floor seats for us. So we had really good seats for it right behind the basket that they, uh, that they scored on when they, when they won. So that's one that stands out kind of after the fact, but there was a lot of anticipation for that. Those was good Michigan state teams, top five in the country. Um, that was definitely a, a big one that everybody was excited for. I don't remember a ton of non-conference games that anybody got excited for. They played temple, uh, one year that was a pretty good game. I think Guyton hit a three late to win that one, but in terms of you know that was pre Big Ten ACC Challenge and Gabbitt games and some of those things that would you know force um, you to have home games against some of the upper echelon teams that weren't Big Ten ones. So the Big Ten ones, the, the it was the the rivalry games, and if anybody was ranked really high coming in, at least is the ones that that come to mind for me. Uh, all right, next question is uh, lost the lost the sheet. Oh, here we go. Uh, Tom, do you feel it's starting Puchifino and Scoop with Xavier Johnson, Race, and Trace now will make IU a better team in March? So basically, if you kind of start with the lineup that we uh, think things will end with, or maybe IU's best lineup, what what dividends does that pay to get that group playing together sooner? I, I think it, it, it helps with, with continuity, but coaches always have – you play better March in March with better players, uh, one through thirteen, uh, and then you select y- your starting unit. But there is something to Tom's question about you got to get guys in rotations 
that are used to playing with certain groups uh, of guys. We, we've talked over and over about the, the mass substitutions. Um, you know, I think the player that benefits the most um, is Tamar. I think Tamar had, was playing with some guys where Tamar had to be the offensive load in the, in the second group, uh, and uh, he'd never played a lot with uh, Trace Jackson Davis where they are double teams in the post. So this lineup that Tom has presented I think is a good lineup. Does it need to start in order for us to be better in March? No. Um, but playing a lot of minutes, you know, Andy used to do the lineup breakdowns of minutes, and I and I see that there's some other sites that, that kind of do that, who plays with who. I do think this lineup needs to play good amounts of minutes. I, I, I haven't studied it enough to say – how many minutes in regular season games does, does someone have to play to, to have good continuity and know each other's moves and where they need the ball and all that kind of stuff. But I think this is, Tom, the best lineup. Um, whether it starts or not is, I think, irrelevant. Uh, but I am with you. This, is, this would be a lineup that I would like to see start. I, I think it also gives some experience off the bench with Miller Kopp. Uh, not to diminish his role, but he can come in and be a sharpshooter, instant offense, three-point shooter against the reserves of another team. Uh, I think that uh, – and then we've talked about the the post um, strength, the depth of the post strength. So um, there's all kinds of things that will go into lineups. But I, I do, Tom, think that the more this team plays together earlier, whether it's starting or off-the-bench minutes – then you want this team to be at its peak, uh, these five guys, and then sprinkle in some subs for an eight, nine-man rotation in March. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, only a one-year sample size of, of looking at things with Woodson, but it seems pretty unlikely this would be a group that would start uh, together at the beginning of the season. But I think to your point, they have to do a better job of using some of these early games to experiment a little bit with different combinations of guys and whether that's this one, because you think that eventually this is going to be the best one or, or whatever else, but, but getting those opportunities, what you said about uh, Tamar was spot on in terms of the lineups that he played with last year in a lot of cases, didn't maximize his chances to be successful. And so you've got to put not just Hood Shafino and, and, and Tamar, but all the guys in some, some cases that are going to give them, those kinds of opportunities for success. So you can figure out how to mix and match and different guys may complement each other better. So I don't think, um, I think starting them could pay some dividends. I just don't know that that's a situation that's going to play itself out yeah. in, in the, in the way that the question is asked. So uh, Phil had this one and would have been a good question for Alex if we could have kept him a little bit longer, but uh, I've all heard positive news about Jalen Hitchfino. Logan had a nice write up this week. Alex mentioned just some of the, the comments that he got earlier. Uh, just kind of asked what's up with, you know, Jordan Geronimo, Tamar, Caleb Banks, CJ Gunn. Uh, Coach, you hearing any, anything in particular about those guys as practice gets underway? No, we, we saw Tamar hit a lot of shots in, in, in the the one, uh, whatever, what was the event called, where they had a scrimmage and Hysterics put it together. A really nice thing for the fans and stuff. Yeah. I, I forget yeah, the, the f- official name, but yeah, you saw too. him hitting some shots about that. Um you, we're we're going to hear Phil, whoever says something in a in a media situation, and that's going to be the person who's talked about. And then the media is going to go track down that person and talk to them a little bit more about what their teammates said. I, I imagine all of these guys are making progress with practice starting today. Um, there, the thing I would say, um, without hearing a whole lot about those guys, is they're going to have to compete for minutes. 
Um, that that's this roster has talent. This roster has depth. Uh, you have people who are surprising us, like Logan, uh, in the comments last week. So the the practices, I expect the practices to be high level, intense uh, competitions for playing time. And I would imagine all of these uh, guys are are getting better. Of those four, I would assume that Geronimo and Tamar are in positions to play early and, and Banks and Gunn are a little bit lower and have to really fight and impress to break in into the rotation would be my guess, but that's not from anything I've, I've heard officially. Yep. I would, I would agree. I think, I think Banks and CJ Gunn though are guys that fit very well into what we just talked about in the other with yep. how can you put those guys in complementary roles uh, with some other players who are going to attract defensive attention to give them a chance to, you know, get their get their feet under them a little bit to start the season. Uh, from Craig, how would you spend the additional TV money coming in? Uh, your options are build a new basketball arena, so we know which one Ryan would pick without even reading the rest of the question. Two, make a top-notch football facility. Or three, bring in a proven winning football coach or, or four other. You can only pick one. What direction do you go? Well, I, I usually uh, agree with uh, my friend Ryan, my fellow Italian Ryan, but I disagree with him on the, the new basketball arena. So I would not pick that one. And, and you, I can go into a long thing, which I won't, about why I, we just renovated Simon Scott Assembly Hall. I, I don't think that's going to be with this new money. Um, I, I think Tom Allen's going to be here, whether you, you, you think he's doing well or not. I think he's been a decent fit for Indiana. Um, needs to fix some things to stay at Indiana. So my choice would be, um, put some money into a football facility. Uh, it's so hard to keep up with the Joneses with facilities in college athletics, especially when our stadium at maximum fit seats 52 and Michigan's bringing in 110 or 108 for their games. Um, but in order to win in football and, and to make more money and get more fans in the seats, you're going to need to try to keep up football wise, even though this is a basketball show. So I think, a top-notch football facility that can continue to improve the recruiting um, will lead to winning faster than the basketball uh, arena. I think we're going to win no matter what uh, because of the arena, and um, I think Coach Allen can win. He's shown that, um, and and I'm not the hugest fan of what's going on right now in the football program when I say that, but I don't think changing coaches necessarily changes the football program more than getting a facility. So I'm going to choose facility. Yeah, the, the football. I, I I don't know your reasoning for for not picking the basketball one, but I wouldn't pick that either. I mean, if, if, given the proportion of the money that really comes in from a revenue standpoint that comes from football, that's really where you have to compete. I know a lot of that came up in in terms of a uh, number of the comments around conference expansion and and things like that. So. The other two kind of become a, a chicken and egg thing, right? Like it, mm -hmm. it's really which of those two things do you think improves your your program the most overall? You could take the approach that if you went and got a, a, a proven coach, that then that elevates your program to a point where you're making enough revenue to reinvest that into the facilities. You can make the other argument that you need to do the facilities so that you really can maximize what the staff can can give you. Um, for the sake of being different, I, I'd lean a little bit more toward getting a proven coach. But I, I also am not sure that you can get a proven coach by just – I mean, you're just throwing tons of money at somebody when a guy who's really won at a high, high level 
and then steps in and looks at the facility and says, well, I don't know that I can do what I did at, you know, insert prior school here, you know, given these constraints. So maybe that actually, maybe I just talked myself into agreeing with you. I don't know. Well, that, sure which, but but <laughs> there, there's a compromise out there and we can go to Craig's other situation is put that money into coordinators. When Tom Allen's had great coordinators, we win. Now, the difficulty is if you have great coordinators, they move on to head coaching jobs with both both of those guys, Dib and Womack and DeBoer, moved on to head coach. It's hard to maintain them. But maybe the answer is with, with Allen is, is what Indiana football has been, the LEO. A lot of people like that, and it's been drawing some recruits. Keep that. He's a, he's a good manager of the football program, but he really needs great assistance in order to win. Um, at a high level in a non-COVID year, in, in my opinion. So pay the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Maybe you get those years where those guys stay for a year, two, three years before they pop, and then that becomes a place where people want to go to become a head coach, and we can win a little more consistently and get to the six or eight win level every year and not go you know, top of the you know, two really good years and then back to two and hopefully more than – three or four this year so maybe it's a combination of really good coordinator coaches um uh, maybe keep the head coach yep all right last one kevin if one of the players on this year's roster follows in mike woodson's footsteps and eventually becomes the iu head coach decades from now which player would you bet on doing so oh my goodness this is this is a great question anthony this is a really good one i'm gonna go anthony leo Uh, from an energy standpoint there's also and and usually your better coaches aren't your top players, you know. So I wasn't good at playing. That's why I became a head coach. I don't know if I was a good coach even at that, but um, because you got to fight and claw to get on the court, so you know the little angles and nuances, and you study more film. The good guys just show up and jump and dunk the ball and then go home with with three cheerleaders on their arms, you know. Um, <laughs> us us uglies had to set screens and know know how to block out and take a charge and get bruises and we never went to dances um you end up being coaches so um sorry anthony i think you're probably a little better looking than coach tonsoni um but anthony leo would be one uh, off the start uh that i think uh because of his energy um uh, and his devotion to indiana you could see him maybe if he chooses coaching to come back yeah he he was one that the, the came to mind immediately because of just his you know IU basketball is kind of in his blood so uh, if you look at it through that lens I think you could see that I think you even see it through some of the things he does um, on the court from a you know defensive perspective just kind of being the right help position and some of the things that he does there probably suggest that he's pretty into that part of it now Trey Galloway dad was a coach so maybe there's some uh, that was the other one for me some possibility there um but uh, I, I, I have no idea whether he would be interested in it, but I think Race Thompson would be an interesting one as mm-hmm. well. I think a guy, guy who does a little bit of everything, plays plays at a high level, but, um, uh, you know, a guy that certainly has been around for been around the program for as long as anybody at this point. So he might be a, another one that's, you know, more on the, you know, potential, you know, key, key player as opposed to, you know, a bench guy. But uh but that was a good. That was a good question. So, that's it. Uh, Ryan, We're done. No more Ryan questions. would have said Ray Thompson for sure. So that's it. Fair, We're done. No more questions. He keeps interrupting you. That's it. I know. We're done. It's no just more like questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it 
for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing our logos. Thanks to Coach for being a great producer, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on on, uh, next Thursday. Until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Hey, we pulled it off. Hey, that was pretty good. Cool. Well, I appreciate you doing that. I'll have to figure yeah. out something I, actually, going on with. You know, that's actually it does something. kind of ease the burden a little bit. Maybe we it is something that, that we might want to consider, too. Like if we put graphics in, like I tried to type in the names that we were talking about, and you can put graphics in. I've watched enough mm-hmm. podcasts on golf and betting and everything else that maybe that's something that, um, you know, if, if you, you put someone – in charge of popping that stuff up or the, or whatever. Um, yeah. I kind of enjoyed that to be honest hey, with you. So the, just some of the best ideas just, cause you know, you know, this, of... you know, from, Oh yeah. You too, got you're you're thinking ahead on. to what you're doing. Am I closing the segment as I want? Do you push the right button? Is the timing right? You know? Um, yep. uh, and some nights it's, it works and other nights you're just like fumble city with, with technology and everything. So, yep. 100%. So, something to think about. All right. About. Well, appreciate it. All righty, man. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.